0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to... The Pace Labs podcast. We are here on a Monday afternoon recording this show for a race that was two days ago, it was supposed to be yesterday. And in a chain of events, at about I think it was like two o'clock, three o'clock. I think it was about three o'clock p.m. Eastern time. They uh, decided to move the clash to that night, to Saturday night. And then all of a sudden, we got a race that is happening uh, in about four or five hours from that announcement. So that was definitely very um very strange how that happened and I'd seen something I think that's just a long it's been a long time since uh something like that has happened since a race has been moved to the previous day like we know how much it rains we know how much races are moved back and, and that was going to be the case with how the weather was scheduled for the weekend but they ended up moving it the day before I think uh, I mean a great decision to get the race in um but the way that I see it and the way I look at that announcement and um i understand the circumstance i understand that there wasn't going to be much fans there anyways um on saturday but you know i look at this as kind of the last straw the last dance for the la clash which i think you know an event that was successful um an event that had you know a few strong years especially when it kicked off i think last year was strong as well this year you can't really tell but even this year i just didn't see it having the same you know um you know the same hype as it did in previous years and i look at this and i look at the street course i look at these two races as races we can take to the people and i like that the the phrase that nascar used is kind of um they used it more for the street course race saying hey this is a race where we can do you know in places that aren't chicago we can do you know we can do this in any city around the world we not just around the country around the world and make this work we can do the same for the clash. We can do the same for a stadium race because we've seen it be able to work out. Now there's different stadiums with different sizes, logistics. I get that. The LA Coliseum's a little bit different, the way it's laid out than most football stadiums. But I think, regardless of that fact, it's something that we still can make work. We could take it to Dallas. You know, we could uh, do it here and you know Tampa. We could do it in Chicago. We could do it um, in any you know most in every football stadium in america and even around the world and make it work uh in some capacity so the only way i would see that continuing is something that would move around to different cities but other than that i think the la coliseum is probably seen as last year um as the clash you know what could we see a total swing of things and they make it a points race you never know um i i really wouldn't even mind that but um I also do really see this kind of being a thing where, yeah, I think it's uh, it's it's the uh, the last the last um, you know time that we see uh, the LA Clash ran at least you know for the time being. Like could they always come back, um, you know. Definitely think they could, but for now, I think that'll probably be the last dance there at the LA Coliseum. But more so, let's move on to kind of how the race went. The events that we saw during the race. So they basically had to change the format. Uh, there were no more heat races, no more LCQ, which I really think is the best part of the weekend. A lot of people would agree. Um, everyone fighting and vying for spots, just slamming into each other, which is the product of racing we see at this track um, every year. Um, but I go in and look at practice. It basically was uh, they had the practice sessions and then they had the qualifying session. And so they had practice qualifying. Um, to decide the starting lineup for the race but not just that starting lineup the top 23 that would qualify for the race so it was top 22 on time and then 23 would be a provisional which is basically the highest in points from the previous year so uh, practice how it looked you know it, it's really hard to tell. It, it's LA Clash. It's a football stadium. You're never going to see any track like this on the rest of the schedule. So it's really hard to see. Like You can't sit here and overreact and say, okay, this person has speed, this person doesn't. But there definitely are some surprises that you will see across the board that maybe didn't qualify in that top 23. Um, one of them being Ryan Blaney, he qualified 26th, but he got that provisional being the champion, so he was able to start last. But in the race, he ended up finishing third, right? So practice is going to be really, you know, group qualifying, group practice was definitely not the most ideal way. Um, just with a track that small, it's hard. Um, but, you know, you look at other guys like Christopher Bell, 33rd on the times he did not qualify in. Chris Busher, 30th, he... Um, you know also did, did not qualify had a strong year last year but you know like i said can't really take a lot of this away for the rest of the season but definitely some good surprises some guys that could kind of come away from this race with hope you got guys that qualify themselves into the race justin haley qualified top 10 in the 51 Rick Ware racing ford and he ran top 10 majority of the race did a wonderful job Um, you look at Noah Gregson who qualified top 20, uh, was able to, to do decent during the race as well. Good for him. Josh Williams was just one spot away from qualifying into the race. He was 23rd in the number 16. Going to be great to see what he does in that cup car this year. Um, you kind of look across the board and that's pretty much it as far as for good surprises. I mean, you did have both front row cars qualifying into the race. That is great to see. Um, and then we get to the race. Your top contenders were pretty much Ty Gibbs. Joey Logano, I'd say, uh, were the guys that led the most during the race. Denny Hamlin as well. Um, Ty Gibbs really saw an unfortunate ending to that race as he was pulling away. And then those late race restarts, everybody's just banging on each other. And he ends up spinning around, finishes 18th. Uh, Joey Logano was you know, one of the guys that they collided a lot during that race. We'll get to that in a second. He finished fourth. But the ultimate winner of the race was Denny Hamlin escapes on that late restart and he's able to take the lead take the victory um and his first la clash and i saw a stat he's the first person to win the budweiser shootout the sprint unlimited uh and the la clash or and the clash um in his career so definitely a, a great accolade for denny hamlin a guy that's always been great obviously at daytona where it was before and now being able to go to la uh somewhere which is a big market and get that victory and potentially the last la clash uh definitely great for him kyle bush finished second he's been great in this la clash every year whether he was with Joey's was racing you know the first year where he finished um i believe he was runner up as well in that race yeah he was to joey logano um third place or i mean the uh the second year when he was running the eight car you know strong last year as well strong this year also ryan blaney defending champion made his way all the way through the field from 23rd to third um to finish in that last podium spot so you know definitely a race where you know you can overact you can underreact you know guys can really come out of it with good momentum but also the guys that maybe didn't qualify into do as well they're not you know beating themselves up so much about it um you know just because of the fact that it's an exhibition race and it's the type of track that we're not going to see on the schedule for the rest of the year so now, let's kind of talk about that rivalry that we saw. Ty Gibbs, Joey Logano had a disagreement. They came together on the majority of restarts like everybody else in the field did. But when you're battling for the lead, um, it definitely has some more implications, some more, you know, tempers can flare a little bit more than they would if you're battling for 15th place. So uh, Joey Logano was put kind of up into the wall. He didn't appreciate that, and neither of them came away with the victory. Ty Gibbs actually, you know, like I mentioned, got spun out and finished 18th, but – Joey Logano went up to him after the race and just, you know, it wasn't exactly, you know, clarified exactly what was said, but, you know, he was upset. And Gibbs said, hey, you ran me up too. And Joey Logano just kind of walked away saying, hey, I'll remember that. I'll remember that. Um, These are two guys that, you know, there's two factors here. There's two guys that already last year in Ty Gibbs' rookie year had history. They had run-ins, most notably at Martinsville to end the season. Um, and then obviously just Joe Gibbs racing and their history with Joey Logano and Penske racing in general. It's always been a feud that has been long lasting for a, over a decade now. Um, let's be honest. Um, and so now Joey Logano feuding with, you know, the team owner's grandson is definitely just poetry kind of writing itself. You know, it was something that you you would assume would just be bound to happen. So we'll see how that feud kind of plays out this year. Um, You know, spend Kyle Busch, you know, kind of almost was in the middle of that, you know, mumbo jumbo going on during the race, you know, and he's now racing for Chevrolet. So could that be a three winged feud? Um, You never know. But definitely, um, you know, it had an entertaining finish, you know, circumstance wasn't ideal. But I think for NASCAR to to come up with all that, get it done a a day before um, and, you know, get everybody out by Saturday night or Sunday morning compares to if, you know, we tried to run it on Sunday it probably could have been days and days delayed. So, you know, now coming out of the Clash, the discussion really right now, and we got a few topics to hit on this show, not a ton, but a few, as we kind of go into Super Bowl weekend, we'll have an off weekend for NASCAR. But, you know, one, one of the topics, you know, really was where the Clash will end up, you know, after this year. And, you know, we've already just had the discussion, okay, will it return to L.A.? We don't think it will. You never know. Um, you know, never say never, it could go back, you know, if certain things align. But the belief is just that it probably won't. So, you know, where where do you take the clash? You know, the first thing people say is okay, do you move it back to Daytona? But what was the reason we moved it from there, right? Wreckfests, you know, another super speedway race, and now, especially being that, you know, for some odd, unfortunate you know unknown reason nascar has moved atlanta to the second race of the season to have two straight super speedway races to start the year um you know three super speedway races and four i guess if you include the duels is just something that you know people probably aren't too interested in now if we didn't have atlanta I would look at that and somewhat consider it but i would want to do something different i've always said you put like five cars in a pack at a super speedway you know you could have some you could have some pretty fun racing like i was like let's just do some heat races you know at daytona and see how that goes you know um but even with that if you moved it back to daytona a lot of people would say road course but do people want to see road course kick off the year i don't know the short track concept is kind of cool um But I also think the concept of just being in Daytona is really, really cool. And I understand what they've done for the clash and how much of a money grab it is. But honestly, now just thinking about it, spending the first part of the year in South Beach, I I feel like at this point, you know, if you want to do something that seems more natural, if nothing can come up, if you can't take it to another stadium race, which I think, right, you could, we could just move it from LA, we could go to Dallas, we could go, we could even go to Charlotte, you know, um, you know we can go to tampa we can go to orlando we can go to jacksonville um chicago you can go to seattle you can go anywhere for that kind of race what if you know we could do a short track in north carolina you kick off the season with uh, rockingham you know rockingham is the clash north wilkesboro is the all-star race would kind of be a nice little tandem there for exhibition races or if we want it down in daytona what if we just had the new smyrna I mean, I, I understand it's not the, uh, the, the the fan grab, the attendance grab, but at the same time, hey, we've heard of temporary seating before. You know, what if you throw it in New Smyrna and you're kind of in Daytona Beach for, for, the, for, the, for the week, you know? But this also would have to be a discussion of, okay, NASCAR is not going to be on Super Bowl weekend, but we've been continuing to try and move up, you know, um, the start of the year. So that's why we've seen, you know, the clash and then a week off, which is Super Bowl and then Daytona 500. So that would have to be something that would probably be after the Super Bowl for sure. Um, You know, but I think it's something definitely worth considering. I've seen a lot of people mention kind of those types of short tracks and maybe doing it there. But I'm really not opposed to doing it in another football stadium. I think the concept itself has worked. It's been cool. You know, it's brought in new viewers. And I think the ability to be able to say, hey, let's take NASCAR to you. You know, and let's take nascar to your city um i think is definitely really cool and so to find maybe a landmark kind of city um to go there for and do it again in a football stadium and then that could kind of be the clash's identity could definitely be something um i would consider for sure um but the clash is over and done. Those conversations will be for when the season is about to start, and we're going into Daytona. We're going into Speed Weeks. We've got a week off here the Super Bowl, so we won't dive too much into it because we don't know every single entry list yet either. So the next time we record, we'll have every entry list, and we'll be able to look at them in detail. But for right now, we do have one entry list. We have the ARCA entry list, which is 50 entries, I think, which is absolutely incredible. I think it's it's certainly the most in a very long time um that we have seen you know in the arca race at daytona um i know i think 43 cars i'm pretty sure are what is accepted um but you look at this entry list up and down there is i mean certainly a you know a very long list of uh of drivers and teams in this race and kind of the notable drivers you want to look up and down um as we go down, the first one we kind of see, we know, you know, for those of you in the Arcaloop loop, Venturini Motorsports kind of has a brand new look for their team this year. Um, they have Amber Balkin, Tony Bradinger, and Chris Wright as their full-time drivers, so it's going to be interesting to see if they can grab another trophy this year. Um, Marco Andretti will be driving at Daytona. He'll be driving for uh, Bruce Cook and that team in the number 17. It was announced he'd have kind of a partial schedule in trucks and ARCA this year. So that's going to be cool for him to kind of get acclimated to stock car racing, kind of having like a Shane Van Gisbergen type of year. Um, As more and more drivers, you know, continue to make the jump over here to stock car racing. And, you know, on the topic of Shane Van Gisbergen, he'll be racing for Pinnacle Motorsports. So he'll be driving that number 28. Um, you know, to get that approval for Daytona, which I think will be really cool. You know, he raced the um the Arca Test, now he's gonna be racing the Arca race, and then running the Xfinity race on that same day. So it's kind of that that thing where it's like he needs to race that for the approval for the Xfinity race on the same day. Um, but you know, would assume all goes well and he will be okay. Defending winner Greg Van Alst is gonna be back in the race, so that's gonna be cool to see um you know he'll be driving his number 35 that he wheeled to victory lane last year gustine's back uh racing for venturini as well um so that'll be also cool to see and then as we kind of keep scrolling down here our good buddy caleb costner's back in that number 93 running the full arc of schedule this year um and then patrick emmerling's down there running uh in a ford Uh, in the number 08 there's some drivers that haven't been announced but either way it's about 50 cars that we're going to see for the arca race um, in daytona some could withdraw some more could enter that's going to be really interesting to see and that is on saturday uh, the first race of saturday right before the xfinity series race which then takes place that same day at 5 o'clock p.m eastern going from the daytime into the night for the xfinity series race so that's going to be cool to see so the first kind of official entry list for speed weeks has been dropped and now i dropped something on my instagram just a little bit earlier uh, for you guys to throw in some questions i know you guys didn't have a ton of time throwing questions because i kind of posted it like 30 minutes ago but i'll see kind of what we have in here so far so the first one i kind of see is daytona 500 picks so some early daytona 500 picks what could we do with that here i would say you look at our our entry list here we can kind of just briefly go over it a little bit who will have obviously last podcast we went over the driver changes now we can kind of look at the open entries that we'll have we know kaz grallo will be in the 36 we know nri racing is trying to enter that 44 don't know who the driver would be if they do david reagan will be in that rfk number 60 uh continuing his streak of running you know every daytona 500 after he's retired. Um, But he's done pretty well in them, so he's had a good streak going. I know he ran well last year as well. Anthony Alfredo in the 62 for Beard Motorsports. BJ McLeod in the 78 for Live Fast. Obviously, they sold their charter, so now an open entry for them. And the 84 of Jimmy Johnson for Legacy Motor Club. So... I look at this list. Do I see anybody in that open entries that will probably win? No. If I had to pick one of the open entries to probably do the best, I would say David Reagan just because of his history, his success. You know, another easy pick would be Jimmy Johnson as well. But if I'm going to go Daytona 500 pick this year, who am I looking at to start off the year with a bang? You know what? Let's go somebody like the 23 of Bubba Wallace. I think this has got to be his year. He's finished runner-up multiple times in this event. And I think this could be the year he finally gets it done. Starts off the year with a bang. Doesn't have to worry the rest of the year about making the playoffs. He gets that victory. Someone else I could also watch. Something else that would be crazy. But also possible with the speed that we saw in the L.A. Clash. Somebody like Justin Haley. What if somebody like Justin Haley comes out here in that chartered 51 car, gets the whim, and Rick Racing gets themselves a playoff spot Um, in the Daytona 500 would be incredible. Now, guys, I could see repeating in the Daytona 500. Former winners, Ricky Stenhouse, could for sure get seeing him go back-to-back would be crazy to see. Um, But if anyone's going to do it, he could definitely do it. Denny Hamlin, obviously, is always going to be a contender. Um, You look at guys like, hey, even first-time winners that have been veterans in the sport for a while. Let's look at somebody like Brad Keselowski. Let's look at somebody like Kyle Busch, even Chase Elliott as well. You know, people I think that could definitely contend but you know if I had to give my early race pick um, I'm going to go with Bubba Wallace maybe getting that victory so let's look up here what rookie do you have your eyes on I mean I definitely have my eyes on all of them Um, but if I had to pick kind of an early candidate for rookie of the year certainly be tough but you know I I love the traction that Spire Motorsports is going to have right with Zane Smith with Carson Hosevar, but Um, I do just got to look over and say, Josh Berry is probably going to get rookie of the year this year and Stuart Haas racing. And kind of, like I said, in the last show and on the radio last week, I don't see them being an ultimate contender. I really don't see them making the playoffs. You never know with him, Rodney Childers, maybe it could be a match made in heaven and they could really pull something off, but I don't see it happening this early, especially with a new Ford car, um, new partnership josh barry going over from chevy to ford i still think of this being as a long transition because obviously they're investing uh, in him as their guy just like they are with chase briscoe and i think josh barry is set to be with the program for a long time but i don't think it will all start this year i don't think they'll rush it i don't think they'll make the playoffs but i still do think that they you know have a great shot at getting uh rookie of the year for sure um Let's go. Who will be this year's biggest disappointment slash surprise? That's a good one. So who do I think will be the biggest surprise this year? And who do I think will be the biggest disappointment? So let's say let's start with the disappointment because I would assume this means somebody that, you know, maybe people are thinking are going to be really good or at least expecting to be good this year. And then they end up not being good. Huh uh i'm gonna look you know i'm looking up and down the board here you know i look at someone like austin Dillon, who i i would say but i just don't think the expectations are there um i maybe would go with alex bowman or maybe even daniel suarez honestly i'm gonna go with daniel suarez because You know, And and that wasn't a shot at Alex Bowman at all. I just think they really do need to get it together over there at the 48 to reach the 48 standards. But let's go with Daniel Suarez here because as much as we love Daniel Suarez and as talented as we know he is, bringing somebody like Ross Chastain in there that has the ability to be feisty, has the ability to run consistent and run well and get checkered flags is only going to push Daniel Suarez to do more but also put pressure on him in that seat. And I know track house, it would take a, a lot to, to to get him out of that program. But let's look at the guys that are behind him. You know, you look at Zane Smith, who's been signed on a track house contract. We understand he is racing with Spire right now on a third charter. He could probably stay there as long as he wants. But how long until he gets that track house seat, right? Somebody that's a former truck champion, somebody that has proven to get checkered flags, proven to run well, how long until he's in that seat? Fast forward, we look at Shane Van Gisbergen running full-time in the Xfinity Series this year. What if he lights it up? What if Shane Van Gisbergen goes in there and he lights it up? Doesn't just win on the road courses, but contends on the ovals too. He obviously wants to be full-time in the Cup Series at this point. He didn't make this big move from being a champion in supercars to come over here just to chillax. You know, He wants to be full-time in the premier level of the NASCAR Cup Series, and I think he's going to get there. Is he the guy that goes in for Daniel Suarez if Trackhouse doesn't get right, that third charter? What happens there? So Daniel Suarez, I think, is somebody that it's really complicated, but I think could really be on the hot seat if he doesn't perform, because I know how much Trackhouse loves checkered flags, and I know how much they love Daniel Suarez. But could it always be an opportunity where, like, they keep him in the program, they make an Xfinity Series program for Suarez, they they switch him and Zane Smith or something like that? You never know what could happen there. Um, and then on the flip side, Austin Dillon, like, it, it sounds very cliche, very normal to say, but we know why he wouldn't technically be on the hot seat but still a lot of pressure because you have somebody like Kyle Busch that came in there started winning races making the playoffs where is that from Austin Dillon right he's been in the seat for almost a almost a decade now i believe it's been a decade where is where where are the, is this consistency in getting checkered flag where is that year where we can say this was the year of Austin Dillon so i think there uh, for sure now surprises I got two right here. Number 1, we could start with somebody I already talked about this show, Justin Haley could 100% be a huge surprise to the NASCAR world for Rick Ware Racing for them coming out there doing really well in that 51 car and then number two i'm gonna go with todd gilland he finally has got security this year he's got that full-time job he's alongside michael mcdowell who got a win last year front row motorsports continues every single year in nascar to increase their resources to increase their funding to increase their speed and you got a guy like michael mcdowell continuing there to perform and you got a guy a winner a proven winner in todd gilland and the truck series who moved up to the cup series and didn't really have any bad gears He's just been finding his footing, and that 38 team has been finding their footing, but I believe they have. They finally got their driver. Todd Gillen is that guy, and I think he could have a wonderful year this year. I think he could almost be on par with Michael McDowell if he continues to progress, continues to improve, and that team continues to improve. I think they could really shock some people uh, this year for sure. So Todd Gillen I could see being a big surprise in the Cup Series this year. I'm definitely very high on him as well let's look next here let's see uh if a nascar race was on a f1 track out of the united states where would you want it to be oh that's a good question right there you know for for the for the aesthetic wise for for view wise just for how cool the racetrack is i would say abu dhabi just because that's a really really sick looking track and i feel like that would be fun to see nascar race on but you know what if i had to go somewhere where I feel like, you know, Monaco, obviously, would be really cool for NASCAR as well. Um, but if I had to go somewhere as far as, like, the the racing, um, I know we already race on Circuit of the Americas. We've raced on the Canadian track before. Um, ah, that's, a, uh, that's a good question. Maybe Australia um, or um, maybe something like maybe the Silverstone Circuit uh, could be cool as well um i'm trying to think of tracks that just i've enjoyed racing on uh like an f1 games and simulator and things like that um you know but but i think those tracks could definitely be something that f1 uh could have a lot of fun um or nascar could have a lot of fun racing on those f1 tracks for sure or even the las vegas street course race let's do a double header uh you know in vegas and see how that goes um what are your thoughts of the NASCAR Mexico race? I would assume, yeah, just the NASCAR Mexico race that took place Saturday night. I think it was a good race. I think those cars race really well. I think the cars that we see racing, you know, in the NASCAR Mexico series, the NASCAR Pinty series, and as well as the NASCAR Euro series, I think show a lot of great racing. Those cars are really cool, really dynamic in how they work and how they turn and how they operate. I think watching that, that short track race um, on Saturday night was a lot of fun um, to, to watch for sure. And uh, I think, you know, to hopefully, you know, that puts the NASCAR Mexico series on the map a little bit more to do things like that, um, because the racing is definitely interesting. And it's the same way in the Penty series as well. The Penty series is very great. The Euro series is very great. And I think all definitely deserve a, uh, a solid, um, you know, spotlight, you know, both of them. Um, let's look. Let's see what we got next. We have what do you think dnqs in the 2024 daytona 500 so back on that topic about our open cars kind of picking you know i already went with two guys who i think could have a shot to do really well to win david reagan jimmy johnson so i think both of them qualify i think the odd man out here is probably just an unfortunately going to be bj mcleod um you know we've seen the speed and the 30 the 36 of kaz gralla the 62 of anthony alfredo you look at the guy that hasn't really ever had to race himself into the Daytona 500 being B.J. McLeod, you know, as they've had that charter that they've been able to rely on, you know, for Live Fast Motorsports. So I I am intrigued to see how B.J. McLeod, how that team would take it as an open team, needing to race their way in right needing to really pick up track position and really do something instead of kind of riding around protecting your car so i am intrigued to see how it goes but i would need to see it before i believe it so i think bj mcleod and the 78 team unfortunately are probably the odd people out there Uh, weather forecast for daytona i'm not sure yet i'm not sure what it is right now i can look that up as i always do going into daytona weekend every single day to hope it doesn't rain um all week into next week it looks like clear skies a little chilly weather too um uh, which might be nice as well but looks like all clear skies for now but as soon as nascar rolls in you never know um how it's gonna go because that could change in an instant so that uh definitely for sure but nonetheless i think it's going to be a fun weekend at daytona everybody certainly enjoy this week off enjoy the weekend off enjoy the super bowl we got a uh, 49ers chiefs i think the chiefs take that one that's just my personal opinion um I think you know the the way the Chiefs perform this year. I went going to the playoffs, and I'm like, it's the Chiefs. At the end of the day, I think they're going to find their way to get through. They're going to beat Miami. I I did think Buffalo was going to win. I thought Buffalo had to beat Kansas City, but again, for like the 17 millionth time, Buffalo unfortunately fell in the playoffs. Um, so that was unfortunate. I thought they were going to finish the story, but they did not. Chiefs ended up moving on, uh, Chiefs continue to win, Chiefs beat the Ravens, um, and now I think they're going to get themselves a Super Bowl win, uh, again, you know, for a second year in a row, and kind of really just solidify this as the era of the Kansas City Chiefs, but Super Bowl be this weekend. I think I'll try to be at Monster Jam that same day as well, Monster Jam's in my home city of Tampa, Florida, be going to that, so kind of a final weekend before the NASCAR season officially starts, before I go to head to Daytona on Wednesday through Sunday, going to be a lot of fun, Um, and so I can't wait for that. So thank you all for tuning in this little short mini episode of the podcast. LA clash was certainly fun. What will it be next year? We'll find out, but can't wait for Daytona. Everybody enjoy the week, enjoy the weekend off. And I will talk to you guys next week.